God's word for you in 2018, I believe, is courage. Because God wants you to live a life of courage and faith and trust. And I believe he's going to take you to areas and accomplish things in your life that you would have never accomplished unless you live with courage and faith and trust in God. So my, my kids, I was telling you about them. One of them just recently turned 18 years old. And so I asked him, I said, what do you want to do when you turn 18? And he answered almost as if he had been thinking about it. He says, I want to go skydiving. And I thought, well, you know, hey, you don't have much to lose. So if you want to go skydiving, that's okay. So I started researching in Tampa, you know, reputable skydiving places. Now, if you think about it a little longer, you might realize that that's kind of odd that you would find a place that has good reviews from skydiving. Because if you have a bad experience skydiving, how do you write a review? Some of you will catch that later. Okay. I know it's cold. I know it's early. All right. But I did. I researched and I found a place that had a good review. And so we decided to go there. So as we're on our way, I was like, son, you excited? He goes, yeah, dad. He goes, man, I, I just can't believe it. And I'm so glad you're doing it with me. I said, oh, there's no we. See this gray hair? I'm smart enough to know better than to jump out of a plane at 14,000 feet not doing it. And I gave in to peer pressure. He, come on, dad, man, let's do it. And so I gave in and we show up, we go through a 15 minute orientation. I know everything there is to know about skydiving. I feel totally confident. I'm ready to go. And so we're doing a tandem jump. You're not jumping by yourself. And so they attach you to somebody that you don't really know. And it's a little too close and it's a little awkward. And you're like, eh. I mean, they're, they're, they're right there. Hey, you know, tic-tac. You need one, buddy. All right. So they, they do. They, they a tandem. They attach you to this person. You get on this airplane and, and we start going up. And, and we went to the clouds and we, then we kept going. 14,000 feet. That's high. And the higher we go, the more nervous I get. It's like, I don't want to jump out of there. I mean, that, I'm going to die. So we, we finally, it's 14,000 feet, it's time to jump. So we're going to jump on three. And this is one, two, and we jump. And I thought, my hands, my life is in the hands of a guy who can't count to three. <laughs> this is not going to end well, man. And so as we're falling, it doesn't feel like we're falling. It kind of felt like we're flying. And it, partly because you don't see from 14,000 feet that death is rapidly approaching. In fact, it's approaching at 120 miles per hour. And he would move his hands in different directions and we would spin and do flips. And I'm like, whoa, this is so much fun. And then I would have moments of, hey, this could go bad really quickly. And I thought, well, I've only have a few minutes left. Yeah, woo. And then if you're wondering, he pulled the chute and it opened. That's for those of you that didn't get the review thing either. Okay, someone will explain it to you later, all right? So he pulls the chute, it opens, and so we're gliding down, and my son, we're yelling, like, this is so much fun! And, and then we get to the ground, and we land, and it was a perfect landing. And, and all of a sudden, I was like, that was so much fun. Let's go do it again, right? Now, rewind literally 15 minutes before that. And I was so nervous 
I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Yet now I was a person, I would go do it again. Why? And it has everything to do with who I was connected with. Because the guy that I did the tandem jump with literally had jumped thousands of times and never even had used his backup chute. And so I now had the courage to do it again, but it was who I was connected with. Your word for 2018, I believe, is courage. And in order for you to do things that God is calling you to do, by the way, I'm not advocating that God wants you to go skydiving, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe God wants you to make leaps of faith and to do things and accomplish things in your marriage, in your family, and in your finances, and in your walk with God. And whatever the dreams are that you have in your life, God wants you to accomplish more, but you need to be connected with him so that you can live with great courage in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, you guys with me, Waters Church? All right, so how do we do that? I want to study the Word of God today in the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, you can open up there. You should have received some handout notes uh, in your bulletin as you walked in this morning. The scriptures will be in there. Of course, they're on the screen as well. Let me set up what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to look and study a passage in the book of Acts. It's in Acts chapter 4. Now, the book of Acts is a New Testament book, and this kind of, the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the New Church. Okay, these, this is the history of the New Testament church, which we are still a part of now. Let, let me help you understand, by the way. Okay, so Jesus comes on this earth, and he lives a perfectly sinless life, something that you and I are incapable of doing, right? How many of you have already sinned today? Go ahead, raise your hand. All right, how many of you are with someone who's already sinned today? Come on, raise your hand. All right, I knew there were a lot more sinners than that. Okay. So we are incapable of living a sinless life, meaning that our sin separates us from God. So Jesus comes. We just celebrated his birth, right? He lives on this earth a perfectly sinless life, yet he takes all of the world's sins past, present, and future, he takes him upon himself and he dies on the cross. He dies in our place. Praise God. On the third day, we'll celebrate that at Easter, right? He comes back to life again. Amen. And he does all of that so that you and I, through what Jesus did, can have right relationship with God. You can't earn it. You can't live a sinless life. Jesus did it for you. You can receive the work that he did for you and you can be in right relationship with God. That's salvation, okay? Now, after Jesus finishes his work, he turns to his disciples, to his followers, and he says, I want you to take this message, the work that I did on the cross, and I want you to share that with the world. That's called the church. You and I are the church, okay? And so the book of Acts is all about the New Testament church and kind of the start in the history of the church, all right, which is what you and I are still living in is the history of the New Testament church. And we'll do that till Jesus comes back again, okay? You guys tracking with me, all right? So we're going to study in the book of Acts the beginning of this church. Now let me set up for you what's happening here. So Peter and John, some of Jesus's followers, right, they're standing before the very people that murdered Jesus, and this is 50 days after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's where we are in Acts chapter 4. Now, Peter and John are standing before these leaders of the nation of Israel, the ones who just murdered Jesus, and I want you to see what is said here in this Acts chapter 4. It says, when they, 
That's the people that just killed Jesus, right? These leaders of the nation of Israel. When they saw the courage, everybody say courage. courage. Come on, you guys got to do better than that. Come on, say courage. courage. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I want to bring your attention to something, and I want you to notice that Peter and John, they had courage, even though they were just ordinary people. Would you, would you in your notes or your Bible, would you circle that word ordinary? Now, the way I like to study the word of God and the way I like to preach from it is I like to look at the original text of the Bible and see what these words mean so that it kind of helps me understand the word and I can apply it to my life better. Now, that English word ordinary, Greek is the New Testament language, the original language. And, and this is, you're going to love this. Okay, the English word ordinary is the Greek word idiotes. That's where we get the word idiot from. OK, it is the only time that this word is used in the New Testament. And so that means God likes taking idiots and filling them with courage where they can do incredible things. How many of you feel more qualified now to live with great courage? Look, I'm from Louisiana, man. This is I'm worse than ordinary. It's like if there's no one else around and God's like, who do I use? It's like, well, OK, everybody's gone. OK, Louisiana. All right. So if God can use this Cajun, then he can use anybody. God, in fact, I think he likes taking idiotes people and doing incredible things with them because nobody can get the credit but God. So today, no matter where you are, Understand that God wants to take you and fill you with courage to do incredible things with him. So let's study today how we can do that. Here's your notes in your blank. If you're going to be a person of great courage, you must have a recognizable relationship with Christ. Remember, I talked about it has a lot to do with who you're connected with. So you need to be connected with God. Let's go back to Acts 4, 13. And I want to pull something out of this verse again. And it says when they, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled idiots. Okay. They were astonished. These next words, would you circle these words? They took note. They took note. Now, these three words, they actually mean to recognize. Everybody say recognize. See, when these leaders, when they were standing there looking at Peter and John, they looked at them. And it says they took note. What they did is they recognized, they like, hey, there's something about them that looks a lot like Jesus. Isn't that the essence of Christianity Water Church? That you and I, when people see us, that they recognize Christ in us? People should look at us and go, hey, there's something different about them. There's something about them that I want my life to look like that. Or if that's what Jesus is all about, then I want to be a part of that as well. Now, how many of you have a hard time sometimes representing Christ really well? Come on. Any of you guys ever mess it up sometimes? I know what Pastor Tim needs to preach on next week, and it's lying. Because <laughs> I know you guys are not that good, all right? I was on your Facebook this morning. I see what you're doing, all right? 
They took note. Sometimes, as a, even as a pastor, I know I'm the professional Christian here. Okay, I get, I get paid to be good, all right? And so even pastors, we don't always get it right all the time. It wasn't long ago I was on my way to, uh, I, I was, had an event with my kids, a sporting event on Saturday. We have church at Bayside, just like you guys have here on Saturday night. And so I was at this track meet all day. I was running late to get to church. So I left there and I hadn't even eaten yet all day. So I was heading to church and I was passing by the Christian chicken place, you know, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and I was hungry. It's hard to drive by Chick-fil-A when you're hungry, right? So I was like, oh, I have to go get something to eat. So I pull into the parking lot. And as always, the line for the drive through is all the way around the building, right? And so I, I pull into the line. I'm like, oh, man, I'm in a hurry. But my mind and my heart is already set on some Chick-fil-A. So I'm just sitting there in line and, and the car is slowly, you know, moving up. And I'm watching the clock and it's like, ah, I had to hurry up. And I'm just about to the place where you get to the window to order. And a car pulls off to the street and into the parking lot is going to try to cut in line in front of me. Well, that ain't happening. Right, you guys, you understand, right? You know how it works. Like, I'm, I'm vested in this thing. I started at the back of the line like everybody else. Get to the back of the queue, okay? That's how it works. You ever had a conversation with someone in your car without really talking? You can use your automobile, right, to communicate. I pull up, they pull up. I pull up, they pull up. I'm telling them, back of the line, dude. I'm a holy man. I got stuff to do. Get out of the way. Well, so he's in his convertible, right? Florida, sunny. Okay, great. He's got the top down in his Camaro, and he's got somebody with him, and he's talking trash. You, oh, man, can you believe this guy? What's the matter with him? Well, I'm in my car all by myself, and I'm like, well, I don't have anybody to talk to, but you're going to the back of the line anyway, all right? <laughs> and so we have this thing kind of going, right? So he reaches in the back seat of his car, and I'm like, oh, he's grabbing a piece. He's going down <laughs> in the Chick-fil-A parking lot. What he doesn't know is I'm from Louisiana, Louisiana Mafia. I will shoot you. I'll bury you in the bayou. They will never find you, Jack. You don't know who you're messing with. Like, it is on. And as he reaches in his back seat, he pulls out a prosthetic leg. He goes, hey, buddy, I'm trying to get in a handicapped spot. You think you can make some room for me? Idiotes. You understand what I'm saying now, right? Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm worse than you, okay? I'm full of pride, okay? I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. He doesn't have a handicap decal, so what do I do? Where's your handicap decal, buddy? How am I supposed to know? It's not my fault. He says, it's a rental. Well, I'm, I'm stuck now. So I get out of my car. I turn behind everybody in the line, and I'm like, can't you see the handicapped guy? He's trying to get in here. Would you make room for him? My wife is three cars behind me, and she's like, oh, gosh, I'm just so embarrassed. Okay, we don't get it right sometimes. And here's the detrimental part to all of this. Do you think that guy would want to have anything to do with Christ or church if he knew I was a Christian after the way that I acted? Of course not. I have a question for you. How many times is your life not recognizable as a follower of Christ? And do you turn people on to Christ or do you turn them off? Most people in America that want to talk negatively about Christianity or church or all those Christians or whatever, it has nothing to do with Jesus. 
has nothing to do with his teachings or the way that he lived his life. He had a bad experience with someone who calls himself a Christian. And so therefore, oh, I've seen those hypocrites. I've seen those Christians before. We're not representing Christ really well. So the question I have for you is when you're outside of the context of Waters Church, when you're at your workplace, when you're hanging out with your friends, the way that you act, the things that you laugh at, the jokes that you tell, the places that you go, the way you spend your money, would people look at you and recognize you as a Christ follower? Or would they not? See, if you're going to be a person of great courage, in other words, if God is going to do incredible things in your life, then you're going to have to have a life that is regularly, when people look at it, that they recognize you having a relationship with Christ. So, I want to answer the question. You're like, okay, if that's the case, how do I do that? Great question. Let's look at this verse again. Look at the next few phrases. It says, they took note, circle these next three words, had been with. Circle those three words. Here's what's interesting. Those three words in the English, had been with, they are the Greek word S-Y-N. It's where we get the word sync from. Think about your smartphones, your tablets, your, your computers. You have to sync them to make sure that they have the latest operating system, right? So that they run optimally. Well, I mean, now, unless you're with Apple and they actually sync so that it'll slow everything down. <laughs> that was a little jab. Anyway, but, but if you think about it, your phone, your tablet, those things, when they're synced up, it helps them run optimally. That means if you and I are going to have a recognizable relationship with Christ, if we're going to be people of great courage to accomplish great things in our marriage and our family and our finances and our walk with God, okay, if those things are going to happen, then we must be synced up with God. Here's what happens. You and I as Christ followers and people that attend church, we oftentimes are really good at marking our Bible. Oh, you come to church, you're circling things, you're making notes, you're marking your Bible. But the question is, is your Bible marking you? Is it making a difference in your life? When people look at you, do they see Jesus Christ in the way that you live your life and act? And if they don't, then it's time for you to sync up with God. And look, you can't just try God out. It's time for you to jump all in, Waters Church. If you've ever been on a missions trip, which I highly recommend with your church, that you go on a missions trip to a third world country. I think every teenager in America ought to go on a missions trip to a third world country. See how the rest of the world is really living, right? Because here in America, in, in, in this area, and in the income that you have, the fact that you have running water, you have automobiles, you have refrigerators, you have banks, and you have cash in your bank, okay, you are the top 3% of people in the world. Okay, so there's a whole lot of problems happening in the rest of the world that we kind of don't even understand. And it'd be good for teenagers to go check that out, right? Okay, it's just a little plug for, for teenagers there going on mission trips. So here's what happens, though. If you go to a third world country, you go to the doctor, you tell them what country you're going to. And what do they do? They give you vaccinations so that when you go to those countries, you can't catch the diseases there. And what is a vaccination? They give you a little bit of the disease your body builds up immunities so that you can't catch the real thing. Spiritually, sometimes we get vaccinations and it doesn't allow us to get the real thing. 
How does that work? We come to church. Oh, I'm going to try the whole God thing out. I got some problems in my life. I'm going to start attending church and just see if God can really help me, if he really is a good God or not. And it doesn't really change. You go, well, I tried the whole God thing out. It doesn't work. You're struggling financially. I'm going to tip God. I'm going to throw a couple of dollars in the bucket and just kind of see, you know, if God really will help me in this. And it doesn't work out. And you say things like, well, I tried the whole God thing out and it doesn't work. You know why? Because you're getting a spiritual vaccination. You're not getting the real thing. So what does that mean? It's time for you to sink all in with God. Waters Church, if you're going to be people of great courage, if God is going to do incredible things in your life, you can't casually date the church and God anymore. It's time for you to put the ring on the finger. It's time for you to go all in. It's time for you to dive in and say, I'm going growth track. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to honor God in my finances. I'm going all in. Otherwise, your life is going to be like it's always been. In Jesus' name, it's time to step up. Come on, give God some praise for that. That's what it takes to have courage, all right? So let me, let, me, let me tip you off on the rest of this story. So you must sync up with God. You must have this recognizable relationship with God. Here's your next blank. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Okay, this right here is where it starts getting really practical. This is what's going to really help you. I think the next part and the rest of this message is what's really going to kind of set you free and help you be a person of great courage. Back to our story. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple to pray, kind of like going to church. They see this crippled person, and he says, hey, give me some money. You know, like they, they stand at the street corner, you know, help the homeless, give me some money. And they, they, they roll down their, their window on, on their, their car, and they go, look, I don't, I don't have any money, but here's what I have. In the name of Jesus, be healed, right? And so they pray for this crippled person, and all of a sudden, he's totally healed. And they did all of this in Jesus' name. And that's what brought them before these leaders of the nation of Israel and while they're in so much trouble. And look what happens right here back in Acts 4. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness that is shown to a cripple and we're asked how he was healed, then you know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised him from the dead. That's how this man stands before you healed. Now, when I read this, it really piques my interest because I, I know who Peter is. We, we all understand, even if you're not that literate when it comes to the Bible, you, you don't know a whole lot about it. We all know that Peter was one of those idiotes, right? Wasn't he always the stupid one in the whole group, right? Remember, this is Peter. 50 days before this, he's hanging out with Jesus. And he's like, Jesus, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, man. And then the next day, he's denying Jesus three times in front of kids. Okay, and now Peter's standing before these same people. They're actually terrorists. They murdered Jesus because of his religious beliefs. And now Peter is standing before them and he's got a little swag, right? He got his shoulders back. He's got his head up and he's like, hey, I'm going to tell you what's up. It's Jesus Christ. And if you don't like it, get you some of that. <laughs> Doesn't that pique your interest? This is Peter. He was weak. Now he's got swag. What happened? What's the difference? It's only 50 days. He didn't go to seminary. He didn't study all this stuff. He's just different. I want you to circle in your notes. Here's the secret. 
filled with the Holy Spirit. Waters Church, that's the difference maker. That phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, it means furnished and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look, you're never going to be a successful Christian. You're never going to be a successful uh, a father or a, a mother or a spouse or a Christ follower. You're never going to overcome addictions. You're, you're never going to get past those problems in your life unless you are furnished and equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can't do this on your own. That's why you need Jesus. Without, without that, you can do it on your own. Okay, look, I like to play golf. Do we have any really Christians in the house, golfers? Come on, if you're, if you're a golfer, raise your hand. Okay, there's a Clemson Tiger golfer up here. Okay, any others? There's not a whole lot of Christians in this church. <laughs> oh, I'm teasing because the reason why I say that is because golf, it'll, it'll test you. <laughs> you know, words will come out of your mouth. When I play golf, people go, you're a preacher and you play golf? I didn't think you had the vocabulary to play golf, right? So I've been playing since I was three. Okay, my dad wanted my brother and I to be professional golfers. We're both pastors. Dad's disappointed, but he'll get over it. All right. A man in our church has a company that sponsors someone to play in a pro-am golf tournament. And that's simply where they allow amateurs like you and I to play with the pros for a couple of days of the tournament. And so he doesn't play golf, and he says, my company sponsored this, you want to play? I'm like, man, that's a bucket list. Yes. Well, we're going to be on national TV. I'm going to be with the best golfers in the world. There's going to be crowds hanging out and watching. I don't want to get out there and, and hack it around, right? So I make sure, and I practice my golf game, and I go out, and, man, I'm, I'm hitting the ball, really. I'm playing really, really good golf, okay? The day comes. Get to the first tee put the ball on the tee, and I'm standing there. Okay, you have to understand, I'm playing with the best players in the world. There are fans, like people all over the place, TV cameras. This thing is broadcasting on TV all around the world, and I'm ready for this moment, but when I get there, my legs are shaking. I'm like, oh, Randy, don't whiff it, right? Don't, you got to at least hit the ball, okay? I am so nervous, and I'm shaking, and when I take the club back, then I swing, and I did make contact, but the ball went so far left it was almost right. You know what I'm saying? It was a bad shot. Hit the ball way out of bounds. I made like a triple bogey on the first hole. That's a bad score, by the way. As much as I practiced in all the preparation, I wasn't ready for that moment. I think there are a lot of people who are Christ followers who really want to hit the ball down the middle of the fairway of life, but you keep hooking the ball out of bounds, and you're trying as hard as you can let me give you a tip when it comes to Christianity. Being successful in serving God isn't about trying harder. It's surrendering more. Come on, Waters, that will help you out. Because if it's all up to you, you don't need Jesus. You don't need the Holy Spirit. But your life, the way it is now, is proof that you need some help. Because you probably keep messing up. We've all said those things before. I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to treat my spouse better. I'm going to raise my kids better. I'm not going to live with that addiction anymore. And you keep hooking the ball out of bounds. So what's the difference? You got to be filled, equipped, furnished with the Holy Spirit. So how do you do that? You have to surrender more. You see, I learned that lesson the hard way. January 30th of 1992 is the day that I surrendered my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Spiritually, I will turn 26 years old in, in less than a month. Okay, before that, my life was a mess. See, I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. And you know what? I overdosed on drugs even once. And when, when my friends took me to the hospital, there was no life in me. And I was able to be revived. And my, my, my mom and my family, they were praying for me. They were Christ followers. And God gave me life again. You know, I went to drug. I went to rehab. I went to treatment. And I kept hooking the ball out of bounds. I kept relapsing. And I'm for all of those things. I'm for 12-step programs and all of that stuff. But that's not what set me free. On January 30th, 1992, I made a decision to surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I've been set free. I've never touched another one thing since that day. And it's not because, that's right, give God some praise. But understand something, it's not because I tried harder, I surrendered more. I gave it up, all of it. And my problem was not a drug addiction, although I needed to get delivered of that. It was a spiritual thing. I had to sync my life up with God I mean, go all in. It was no longer trying church, trying God. Well, let's see if you can help me with this. No, I went all in, Waters. I went all in. I surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I said, I can't do this anymore. And then I, I was it. I was all in. And you know what? I've been free ever since then. If you're going to be a person of great courage, it's time for you to sync up and to surrender with the Holy or to the Holy Spirit. And what's the last thing I want to give you today? You got to sync up, surrender, and you need to be obedient to God. If you're going to be a person of great courage, 2018, then you've got to be obedient to what God is asking you to do. That's your part to play. All right. It says back in Acts 4, they, these same leaders of the nation of Israel, who had just had Jesus crucified on the cross, right? They called them in, Peter and John, again, and they commanded them not to speak or teach it all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight that we should obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Would you circle the word obey? That's the secret word right there. It's obey, which this word means to hear something and to respond. It's one thing to hear from God and go, yeah, I need to work on that or I need to surrender that to you. But it's a different thing to go and do it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my kids, they don't always obey when I tell them. How many of you have kids that are disobedient? Come on. All right. I tell my kids, for example, go clean your room. They don't hear that. It kind of goes in here and comes out the other side, right? Now, when I tell them it's dinner time, I mean, you know, they're, they're at the table before I can even finish saying it, right? Because that's what they want to hear. I'll tell them, did you clean your room? You were talking to me? Yeah. Do you have a room? Uh-huh. Is it dirty? Uh-huh. Go clean your room then. But dinner, man, they're right there. You and I are like that with God. We, you probably have been in a service just like this before. Your pastor's preaching a message, and you, you write it down. Oh, man, I, it's time for me to surrender that to God. It's time for me to forgive that person. It's time for me to surrender to God. It's time for me to, to, to get involved in growth track. It's time to start serving. It's time to be obedient in this area of my life. You heard from God and you get up, you leave this place, and we rationalize it away. Well, maybe God wasn't talking to me. There was somebody, the person next to me, they really needed that. And I intercepted the message, right? And so it was really for them. Or we rationalize, well, that, you know, that scripture really isn't for me right now. 
I, I can't, I'm too busy to serve when things settle down. Well, financially, if that deal goes through, then I can start putting God first in my finances. So we rationalize it away. And we wonder why God is not empowering us to live a life of great courage. Now, here's the question I have for you. What if God responded to meeting our needs at the same speed with which we were obedient to him? You see, obedience, especially when it doesn't make sense. When you don't understand, like, God, this doesn't make sense to me. That's when you need to be obedient. But let, let, me, let me tip you off. You can't just get up from here and be obedient to God if you're not first synced in with God. If you're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit, then you can go do and accomplish what God is asking you to do. That's the only way to be a person of great courage. Let me, let me give you this verse. I want to end with this in 1 John. It says, this is the victory. Everybody say Victory. I like this word. Circle that in your scripture as well or in your notes. This is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. How are you going to overcome the world, the problems in life? How are you going to be victorious? How are you going to be courageous? It's through your faith. By the way, that word victory is the Greek word Nike, which is the Greek goddess for victory, right? It's the only time as well that this word is used in the New Testament. So if you're going to live the swish, right, if you're going to live with great victory in your life, then what you have to do is you have to realize that it's about being obedient and living in faith with God, no matter what's happening in your life. Let me close with this story. My brother and I, when we were growing up, my dad had nightmares all the time. And the nightmares were that Rick and I would come running into his bedroom and our arms were cut off and we were just bleeding everywhere and screaming. And he would wake up from that nightmare his heart's pounding, he's sweating, and he just kept having a reoccurring nightmare. Well, he was traveling once, and he was in Atlanta, Georgia, in a hotel with the company that he worked with. He was traveling a lot. And he had the nightmare in this hotel room. And he wakes up, same thing, you know, Rick and I, arms are cut off, we're, we're bleeding, we're screaming. He wakes up, his heart's pounding, he's sweating. He's like, I'm, I have had enough of this. And he drops to his knees besides his hotel bed, and he's He's just crying out to God, and he says, God, I'm not getting up from here until you deliver me from this. Now, he doesn't know if he was on his knees for 10 minutes or, or for an hour, but he says, I'm not getting up until you deliver, deliver me from this. And, you know, God dropped this peace in his heart and kind of gave him this word. Richard, don't worry about your boys. They're going to be okay. I got a plan for them. Now, you guys know my life. I was an addict. I, I, I struggled, but my dad had a moment where he synced his life up with God. He surrendered to the Holy Spirit and he was just trusting God to work it out. And even in the difficult times, God has spoke to my father saying, Richard, don't worry about it, I got him. And Rick and I turned out fine. He's actually a pastor in Arkansas and I pastor in Florida. God was true to his word. And I don't know what has you in a mess here today. And maybe you're spiritually or relationally or financially. Maybe you're on, the, on your knees in just a mess. And you're like, God, I, you got to deliver me from this. Today, you can't. But you have to make the decision to sync up, surrender, and let's go be obedient to what he's asking you to do.